Hello and welcome to How to Win the Lottery, Season 3, Episode 4. We didn't talk about how to pronounce this. 17776 by John Boyce. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I am Shreds. Shreds is Shreds. 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 Oh, he just did a kickflip McTwist. Nailed it. Landed it. You're damn right I did. Goofy style. Goofy foot, too. Uh-huh. Crazy. Somebody played Tony Hawk when he was a young man. Oh, yeah, I did. I played, I played hundreds of hours of Tony Hawk. Yeah, this is why you like uh, Superman by Goldfinger so much. One of the songs, oh, from I think from Tony Hawk Two, "Bring the Noise," the Public Enemy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With they, that just, right? That came, yeah, that came to rock band this week, and I'm just like, why do I know? Oh, I know I know the song because yeah, because I skateboarded to it for hours on Venice Beach, baby. Tony Hawk Two, yeah. I think it's in Tony Hawk Two. Anyway, here we are. Here we are. Talking about the first ever not book that we've covered for the podcast. I think it's a book. You think it's a book? Why is it? In what way is it not a book? When is a book not a book? When it's a jar? Let's shut up. <laughs> Just shut up. <laughs> I'm going home. This is bullshit. I don't know. What defines a book? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think this is a book. So it is an internet. It's a mixed media internet presentation of text graphics and video yep by john boyce of sb nation who i think we might i don't know if we've talked about him on here before but he is someone that you and i and some of our very close friends think is one of the best and most creative and funniest sort of people creators on the internet yeah he creates a lot of uh long-form documentaries about mostly about sports Mm -hmm. history of the seattle mariners fighting in the age of loneliness um captain ahab the story of dave steeb yeah, a number of really, really great um, documentaries. I think what he's specifically really good at is finding unique stories among statistics and deep humanity in things that we we often don't think of as being very humane at all. And it's presented, most of this is done on YouTube. There's also stuff on SBNation.com. But a lot of it, a lot of the longer form stuff, the more recent stuff, I think he's evolved into a presentation and a style in which things are basically just presented via charts and graphs and, like, grid. Yeah. And it sounds like, to someone who hasn't seen it, I think would sound maybe like the most boring thing in the world, and yet it is almost indescribably compelling. Incredibly exciting. The, the, I think you and I have talked about one of the, like, best moments in the film from 2020 or whatever is that single shot of, like, Ichiro's wrist. I, I, whenever, I was just thinking about that. When I think, okay, okay, the history of the Seattle Mariners is a five-part series that's like three and a half hours long in total, and it goes forward like each chunk is like it's before, and then there's another one, and then it's Griffey. I'm getting chills thinking about this, <laughs> and literally, it's just it's a chart and a JPEG, and that's all it is. And they're like, but what happens next is going to change the history of the Seattle Mariners, basically. And it's just the wrist out. I oh god, I, <laughs> it's the wrist out with the baseball bat at the end. If you've ever seen Ichiro play, you baseball, just know it's Ichiro. You know it's him, because yeah. you know it's coming. It's not uh-huh. like it's a surprise. Uh-huh. Like it's two thousand becoming two thousand one, whatever. Yeah. And just that, I'm like, oh, it's fuck. remarkable. It's so good. Yeah. That is my. I was my favorite thing from twenty twenty. I have on the wall. They made a poster representation, like a recreation of it. And I'm not, like, I I like the Mariners growing up. I've always been a Yankee fan. I like the Mariners. I'm, I don't really have a fondness well, for the I mean, Mariners. It's, yeah, just, it's, it's the way he tells the story. What's not to like about the Mariners? But he finds he finds a uh, a bunch of great stories inside of it, and then sort of explodes those stories and explains what's unique about them through statistics mm-hmm. and through 
various like insane coincidences and things like that. Yep. But this is all like explaining who John Boyce is. But what is seventeen seven seventy six? So it is a story set in the year seventeen seven seventy six. So basically fifteen thousand years in the future, not that far after where we are today in current time we figure out how to not die and not get sick. And it's not like we might not they, have figured they don't out. Even it figure just it doesn't out. Just, happen. It stops. Yeah, people stop dying. We do figure out things like nanoparticles and stuff where it's like we don't get hurt. Like mm-hmm. there are things where someone is able to go into a tornado and just get blown 15 miles away because like don't fear injury because we've figured out a way to not get hurt. Which is something I think that's important to this story and important to... Uh, the story's connection to football, because uh, it expands the, the idea of football in a million different ways to where football is not even recognizably football anymore. In some cases, football is described as specifically being uh, like this one game 500, yep. where they just have to catch a ball, launch from a cannon w- with a set amount of points attached to the ball, and whoever catches it gets close to the number. Which is based on a real game that you play in your backyard where it's like, you know, one person throws like a, normally a football up in the air. And just says, this is worth 200 points. Yeah. And whoever catches it gets 200 points. And whoever gets the 500 first wins. So, but this is just on a national scale mm-hmm. from a cannon on like in Alaska somewhere, Mount Denali or whatever. Yeah. With like, I think that's like 160 pounds. It's not like a football. It's like an enormous mm-hmm. like disc or something. Yeah. And then there are other games that, you know, football games that stretch across states and, and across all of these incredibly wide boundaries, sort of expanding the na- the notion of, of, of what a game is and uh, the amount of time that we can have to play it, because if you can't die, time becomes this infinite thing. But I think it it touches on this really specific thing that, like, normal people have a problem with football all the time, because it's... Violent. Violent. It's it's an incredibly barbaric sport. It's it's ruining people's brains. It's uh, permanently damaging people in a way that... um, there have been covers up, cover ups around. There have been uh, l- lots of debate and discourse around this. And people who really enjoy the game of football, I think, sometimes are like, "Well, I don't enjoy this so much because people are getting hurt." Right. But this imagines returning it to a game by removing that moral quandary yep. and saying, "Like, look, nobody's going to get hurt. Like, the point of the game is the game. It's just about play. There's no." part of this where people are being destroyed because the subtitle to this 17776 what football will look like in the future and you think about that like okay so like robots or something like we're gonna if you think about it now in terms of like how do you remove the moral quandary with things that we understand that we could possibly do and it's like well you never you have robots you have better safety you have better this whatever whatever but this is like no we're fifteen thousand years in the future injury doesn't exist but for a story that is about football what I think it's really about is, like, it's a miracle we're even here. Cherish mystery. God probably doesn't exist. <laughs> Aliens probably aren't real. Well, I don't know. No, there's a big there's a big thing about God about God existing well, or not existing and, and ultimately being, like, who knows? Aliens probably aren't real. We're probably alone. Mm-hmm. Football is good. Yeah. And that's kind of it. And it's, like, it's somehow supremely stupid. And supremely profound. It's stupid in that, like, the premise of this, and I say stupid with, in the most endearing way possible, this is told through the perspective of 9, 10, and Juice, which is Pioneer 9, Pioneer 10, and the Jupiter Icy Moon Explorer. 
just like these satellites that we've put into space. That are all real. That are all real. Talking to each other through time and space. Not only through time, but through space. And watching football. Well, through time, too, because they're li- they're so far away from yep. each other that there's like a quantum aspect to their communication. And and there there is this uh, sense about the evolution of all things, and the evolution of all things is viewed largely through the perspective of football. There's this idea in here that like as technology progresses and as we continue to refine, things get infinitely more complicated to the point where they're microscopic almost. The rules are down to, to such a fine point that rule books are going to be millions of pages long and there's no real way to know the rules and you have to go through them over and over again in a way that might neuter the idea of play. There's it, it, it's, it's a really interestingly structured story. And what football literally looks like in the future is essentially what football we know to look like that there is a football and there are players on each side, whatever, but... The field can kind of be whatever you want it to be. And it resembles more like it, it's it's evolved, but it's also devolved into resembling much more like a pickup game that you play in your backyard where it's like the rules are unique to each game. Like remember playing football in the backyard and you're like two completions is a first down yep. and you can't get a first down via running. Yep. All these things because you have to play on every plays on a unique field. So it's a return to this idea of play and a return to this idea of childhood, which is ironic because there are no children in the world. I do like that you think about where nobody dies, nobody ages, nobody gets sick, but they're also like, there's a thing, I might have screenshotted it too. He like, he kind of debunks all of the like, well, what about this? What about this? It's just like, no, uh, kids are all fine. People who are old got younger. People who are young got older. Everybody's happy. Shut up. Don't worry about it. Like that. Don't get don't get lost in that minutia. Just yeah. like appreciate the other things in life. Right. Because in you know, like, interestingly enough, like that's also the sort of thing that uh, really ruins narratives for us, too. Right. When we start thinking like, well, what about this detail that doesn't square? Um, it's like that stuff's not important. What's important is like this grander theme that we're focused on. Right. I think this is the, the thing. And this is why I was like, I don't know if it's a book or not, whatever. You really need to like the meat in the in the Marshall McLuhan sense of it all look at me getting literate here the medium is the message well, let's see the medium is the message <laughs> okay that i think there's something like for a thing that's about the- hold on hold on <laughs> oh let me look at me getting all marshall McLuhan. and then you just named the title of his most popular book well yeah i mean look uh could you do it i don't i don't think so i think i might have been able to pull that one off oh yeah for sure it's it's the most obvious reference <laughs> possible but like this is like we said it's it's told via text and images and whatever but like the experience of not knowing how long a thing is, not knowing what's coming yeah. next. Yeah, yeah. There's one thing where, like, because everything's basically scrolling vertically, right? And then there's one where it scrolls horizontally. And it's just like, wait, what the fuck? Like, what? Yeah. What is this? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. in a way that's different from everything else we're going to be reading this season, it's literally using the internet to tell a story in a way that only the internet could tell a story. Yeah, uh, the not knowing how much was left in it was a real like mind fuck for me. It was really strange. Reading. It was exciting. Yeah, it was really strange going like, this could go on for forever, but yeah. it could also just end next page. Um, and you kind of got the sense, like, well, once it did start to wrap up, you kind of were like, okay, I feel like I feel like I know where this is going right now. Yeah, there was something really exciting about being like, this could just go on for forever. Because I read a thing that was like, it, it, he released it daily between like July 5th and 19th and 2019 or so. It was something that was just like one thing a day. So I knew there were going to be about two, like 14-ish, whatever. 
But then there was like, I'm like, is a video a different day? So like, I really didn't have a sense of like how long this was. Well, also it could have gone on for forever. narratively there's no reason why it had to stop at any point um because it's just like hey here are different um i guess each section is like a little bit focused around like a different kind of football and the way in which it has evolved alongside humanity but like each section also has its own like unique theme about humanity right whether that be our relationship to mystery which is what you get with eddie when he's in the cave um whether it's uh our loss of uh, sense of like childishness, right? Which you get with the heartbreaking, the, the part that I found most moving in the entire um, in the entire book was the part about the lawn where it was like, there are parts in this country that nobody's ever walked on. Like you see- Did you, did you find that more moving than the light bulb? Yeah, yeah. Cause they, like that section ends with, um, like they're going through it and, and he's like, He's like, see this part of grass right here. Like, no one's ever walked on this part of grass. They, they go through and they might mow it every every couple of days. And people walk on this sidewalk, but there's no one like out there walking. And then it ends with them going like, you know, who would have done that is is children. And it's like about this world that where where we've taken childhood away from everybody. When when you're talking about timelessness and when all the problems have been solved or whatever, like there's a sense in which that childhood wonder doesn't exist anymore because there are no more children. There's no more sense of discovery. Well, I think, I think right? that what's what's interesting about this type of story and this story in particular is that it is both a utopia and a dystopia, right? Like yeah, it's yeah, 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 yeah. Injury totally. is not death is gone, injury is not gone, mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. climate change fucked up the planet. New York is underwater, like most of the coastal towns are underwater. Like you're saying, there's no children, there's none of that joy. And it's like, yeah, people can live forever, but it's also like, what do you do? And it's like, well, I've been playing a football game for 5,000 years. I've, I I forgot that I lived in this apartment 2,700 years ago because like the whole like who wants to live forever, really, like the Highlander song, they all asked, they wanted to know, like, what do you do? You You find joy in the things that bring you joy, which I guess for a lot of people for these satellites is watching football and and this idea that maybe there you you create mystery right that's what the koi detmer thing is about right there's a section in the book where koi koi detmer was the backup for the colts is it the colts i think it's a backup for a bunch of different teams but yeah um and and they're like we're looking because koi detmer is not a terribly popular football player he's a backup quarterback we're looking for every single koi detmer signed football but only ones that he signed exclusively not like a team signature they're like, there can't be that many. But the mystery is surrounding, like, well, we don't know. We don't know how many Koi Demmer footballs there are. So, like, part of it is creating this incredibly elaborate game and this, like, detective um, motivation to, like, make life more interesting. We, we provide these little games for ourselves to make the complete mundanity of any given day magical again, which is exactly what you do as a kid like that's what the floor is lava is that's mm-hmm. what um you know freeze tag is right it's like taking something that's completely you know mundane or whatever and just going like well let's make a game of this let's let's figure out a way to gamify our lives yeah and in gamifying we like create mystery and we create a sense of like spontaneousness and uh randomness yeah it's sort of putting a spin or putting a twist on a thing that we understand like one of the very early chapters says is okay it's july 2nd 17776 we are in which is about a mile east of seward nebraska driving eastbound McKelvey road we're following a wyoming 
running back Nancy McGunnell, who's now about 82 or 83 percent away across the state, because this game 38-87, the field to play is Nebraska, with the end zone is Wyoming and Iowa. It's just like it's a whole the entire state is the football field, and it's just like wait what? And like it's football, but it's not football, but it is football. Yeah. Because what else do you do? Yeah, it's it's you know like I said it's it's the return to the ch- the childishness of play. There's a game that's been going on for thirteen thousand years where both teams are stuck in a gorge they can't climb out of because the the field is as wide as a regular football field, but it's like two thousand miles long, and like whoever mapped it out either didn't see it or didn't care, so they're just like stuck in eternity because there's people who can't die and they can't leave. And they can't yeah every time they try to climb the the gorge you just get tackled you get brought down because you can't like. You would need to be one of the world's greatest mountain climbers to get up there. And they're not. They're just, you know. Although if you have 15,000 years, maybe just send one guy to practice mountain climbing for, you know. You would think. But what also is, like, special about this is that this is science fiction. Yes. Even though it's based in reality. But it also references, like, real people and real things. Right. Yeah. There's lots of, um, like we said, 9, 10, and Juice are all real. Mm -hmm. There's this guy who I... I think he was real because there's like he adds in scans of like newspaper articles and there's a guy with the last name Sabatka who's like, all right, the wire, nice. But he's the guy who like was working on a WPA project in the 1930s and made a 12-sided building all out of sidewalk material that like mm. becomes, that gets factored in. But like he's like a real person. Like it's just like this is a guy that did a weird thing and he becomes part of the mythology of this football history. Yeah. And the other thing that you referenced that was, that you said was like the saddest part, which I think is, is incredibly sad, is the um, the smashing of uh, what is it called? The Centennial light bulb. Yeah. Um, which is a light bulb that is a real light bulb that has been burning since the very beginning of the 20th century and is still burning right now in a firehouse in Washington. No, it's like San Francisco area, Bay San area. Francisco? I think. Okay. But in this story, one of the cannonballs from the mountain in Alaska destroys it. Yeah. Which is like, um, and, and obviously this is like right now it's remarkable that that light bulb is still burning, but this light bulb is burning in 15,000 years, 15, years in the future. And so it says it's it, it, this thing about how in a world where people can't die. It's the first death they've experienced yeah, in thousands of years. And you, how do you mourn this thing that has been like, and it's also the thing that like you're looking at it and it's life is precious because you do know that it's going to die someday because it's not, you know, it, it hasn't been tinkered with. It hasn't been adjusted. You do know that it's going to die someday, but you always expect that it's going to die of natural causes. And it's not. It's fucking murdered. It yeah. gets killed. Yeah. Right? Uh, as a byproduct of a game. As a byproduct of a game, right? Which is sort of what happens in real life, right? People get killed as the byproduct of games. Mm-hmm. Um, when it's like, that's not what's supposed to happen. Like, we all expect things. We all we expect light bulbs to burn out. We don't expect them to be smashed. Right. And there's a thing that they're explaining, like, why why things like that. I don't remember what the context is, but there's a quote in here which sort of sums up why things are, like, not perfect, but, like, pretty good. People defeated scarcity. Everyone had what they needed and nobody got sick, but they found that they needed things to be just a little bit difficult once in a while. They needed to stub their toe and wait in line and see that check engine light. They decided to leave their existence just a little short of perfect, because they wanted to want. Yeah, this is the argument against things like flying cars. Like yeah. when once once uh who's the the main narrator narrator is nine, right? The main character, the one that gets birthed in in the very beginning. 
Yes. Is nine. Right. Nine is is asking like, well, why why don't we have flying cars? Why why don't we have like is isn't there a better way to do things? And it's like, look, like when you have infinite time, like you don't want to speed up the process of getting from one place to another. You can like afford to take the train. Yeah. Um, it's totally fine. Don't worry about it. And that's like you mentioned before, Ed in the cave, because he found a rule that he's like, if one person holds a football for ten thousand years that team wins the game. Like, they're losing by an immeasurable, like, they're never going to be able to win this game otherwise. Yeah. But he's been in the cave for 9,300-something years, and someone's outside, and they're talking to him. He's like, I just, we, we, you can't let people know I'm here. But it seems like people are like, oh, yeah, that cave. Oh, never mind. Well, it's also, that that section is really funny because um, Boyce breaks the fourth wall. Don't come to this cave. Do not come here. You will die if you come here. It is very dangerous. Do not come to this cave. Yeah. Because I guess it has, like, uh, gas, poisonous gases and stuff inside of it. And probably people have been trapped in it before. But, you know, Ed Krieger, who was 87, but now in peak physical shape because everybody's become, you know, healthy or whatever. He's just there for 9,300 years just waiting it out. But he's a famous missing person. Yep. And, and doesn't realize that he's, like, a famous missing person because he thinks he's just doing this football game. Well, that's also what's exciting is that there's, like, a weird version of celebrity in this novel where, like, there's the woman who catches the football that breaks the light bulb, but she's like the only person playing 500 who's never caught a ball. Yeah, and it's like, statistically, there's no way that you would have never caught a ball by this point. Like, you have, you would have to be trying to not catch the ball to be as unlucky as she is, and she's been trying. She just... And then there's something sad about it when she does, when she's like, definitely gonna get it. It's like, there's something heartbreaking about this. It's a little bit like how it's kind of nice that Reggie Miller never won an NBA championship. You know, it's like, you don't want Reggie Miller to win because it's like, there's something nice about, like, some of the greats shouldn't win. Yep. It, but also, it, it like, maintains the greatness of a thing. You know, she catches the ball, and they don't really address this, but, like, she catches the ball, but she doesn't win. She just has, like, 160 points or whatever. Yeah, right. So she would have to catch a bunch more. And actually, she and, and actually whatever her, whatever uh, celebrity she's maintained or enhanced through catching that ball is completely dwarfed by the fact that the light bulb was smashed. Yep. So it's like, we never hear from her again. For the rest of the book, I don't think. Yeah. But we, you know, the light bulb gets eulogized. Yeah. I think what's cool about this kind of story, three or four years ago, probably, I was just like, I want to read everything with John Boyce. Or maybe it was around, maybe it was during the Mariners thing or whatever. But like, in the last few years, I was like, I want to read, I want to experience, I want to consume everything he's done. And, like, a lot of these YouTube videos are just on his YouTube channel. Like, you can just watch them. But, like, they don't make any sense out of context. Because it's just like conversation oh, the, the, between this, the pioneers. The, yeah. Did you watch it? I remember watching some of them. We're like watching the Breaking Madden videos where like the Breaking Madden, the Breaking Madden pieces on SB Nation are like setting up how he plans to break the video game, the prep he does, the emails he gets where people are like pitching like why, I, why you should use my last name on this football player who's going to be like 400 pounds and seven feet tall or whatever. He picks the best ones or whatever. There's this whole like backstory. And then there's a two minute Madden video or whatever where it's just like this is how I broke the game. So you can, like, watch those kind of videos, or you can watch, like, different text on the screen or, like, Google Earth going to, like, wherever, and it's like, I don't know what any of this is, but, like, there's something weirdly compelling about, even out of context, it's him, in a way, but, like, it's within the scope of this, it's even more special. But, like, there's a weird, I think the mixed media thing is cool, in different ways. Well, because he has, like, a defined aesthetic, right? For sure. Like, you can, you, if you, you could pick up, uh... James Joyce book and since we were talking about James Joyce 
Early. You want to do your Irish accent again? Um, <laughs> uh, and 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 you can look at it and you can go like, that's James Joyce. And you can enjoy it because of the music of the words and because of the way that he, not because of structure or anything like that, but because of the, like, you can recognize the, the way that he writes. And so there, once you familiarize yourself with someone like John Boyce, his documentary style, you familiarize yourself with the sort of like, Almost like I, I don't mean this in a bad way, but like the low rent aesthetics of the of the documentaries, right? Like the charts that he's clearly like built on his computer through like a specific program and and has made for a minimal budget, but like is beautifully his own. Like you can look at that and you can just like even if you don't necessarily understand what's going on, you can get lost in the music of the words, right? And there's something beautiful about, uh, you know, the soundtracks that he picks for the things. This mm-hmm. is kind of like jazz mm-hmm. um, that goes behind it. You you learn really, like, you learn his language. You learn how to read the charts as he presents them. And you can recognize it from afar. And there's something very comforting about that. And what we were talking about before we started recording was uh, our friend Tom was talking about how he's able to do what he does because he's basically one man doing a whole team of things. And so like, it looks unimpressive from afar in a way. Like you could look at it and be like, I don't want to watch this. Like it's, it's three hours long. I'm just looking at like a Google, I'm looking at Google earth and I'm looking at like a calendar. What are we doing? But it, it all fades away. And it's like when you, when he has complete control over the way that it looks, the way that it's told, the way that it's edited, the way that it's everything, like it just, it's his vision or he does it with Kofi or he does it with, you know, Felix Peter or whatever. Right. It just, they're able to do it. It's like a one-man wrecking crew in a way that no one else does. No one else is able to do. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's uh, a completely unique aesthetic um, that is, I don't, like, certainly rare among, like, for, like he's technically like a sports journalist, right? right. So, like, the, the, he's, it's really to SB Nation's credit that they've, I mean, I'm sure there's profit in it for them, sure. otherwise they wouldn't do it, but like that they've given him this space to be as like wildly creative as, as he is. Cause I can't imagine like sports illustrated those fucking losers as, as just like one example, um, fuck sports illustrated, right. We're, we're a staunchly anti sports illustrated crew here. Um, like I can't imagine them like going like, yeah, man, take your risks. Be be like this aesthetically bold in telling your weird story about humanity that crosses over with football a little bit, but not in a way that would appeal to like necessarily your average Sports Illustrated subscriber. Right. The same way that we were saying, or not the same way, but similarly to how I was saying earlier, that this could only be told on the internet. The, the, the cutthroat nature of the internet where like everything's shelf life is 10 minutes or whatever. And like, if it doesn't work immediately, it just gets canceled. And I know it's, it's, it's not entirely dissimilar from trying to like, like having a, a, a draft of a novel and trying to sell that and trying to find a publisher or whatever. But like, he's able to do this thing that is abnormal because he does a thing that no one else is doing better than anybody else could. So it's like, yeah. It's the trust that the you know the website puts in him, but it's also that it's just it's like this marriage made in heaven that he has creative control because he's good at, and he does a thing that nobody else does or nobody else does as well or as prominently or whatever. I know a number of people who are not really sports fans who enjoy his work, and like I think that that drives probably drives a lot of unique views to to sure. SB Nation. Like a bunch of people who don't necessarily like sports but enjoy science fiction are going to read this or could read this and it would really, you know, will really enjoy it. There's a pretty robust wiki article about this, mm-hmm. which I'm kind of pleasantly surprised by. Yeah. 
But they mention that according to the communications director of Vox Media, I think it's launched on July 5th. Is that the right date? Yes, July 5th, 2017. In the first five days, it got 2.3 million page views. That's a lot. Yeah, that's more than most books, obviously. Like, books don't sell like that. Two days later, it received more than 2.9 million. Average engagement time was over nine minutes, and 43% of the readers finished each installment of the series published by July 7th. On July 19th, I think it was the final day, he claimed that it received 700,000 unique views and 4 million total page views, average engagement time of 11 minutes. And, like, those numbers might seem abstract, but it's like, if a website can keep you there for 11 minutes yeah, on, on right. average, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's immensely valuable to everyone across the board. So, and again, it's about, it's a story in which people have a podcast called the Garbage Football Podcast, where they're just like, this game sucks. Let's talk about this for a while. Like, that's like Which is actually kind of, in, in, in a lot of ways, like, that's what Boyes does, right? Like, yeah. he has his own versions of the Garbage Football Podcast, where he's like... I remember once one of the things is like the most cowardly punt of all time. Like he's analyzing like the bad things Mm -hmm. that happen in sports because sometimes like when games are bad, they're like they're special. Yeah. They're more fun to watch because they're unique. I mean, I think the most, the most common interaction he has with like traditional sports is him retweeting people who tweet at him at John Boyce watching blank sport. And they quote tweet, a video of some dumbass play unbelievably bad defense in baseball or just like guys like falling into each other or whatever just like the worst examples of professional sports yeah but made by professional athletes and he's like this is what's this is what's beautiful about sports because that's where the fun is yeah right there's there's just as I, I mean i remember when i was a kid watching nfl bloopers videos and i thought they were the funniest thing in the world yeah right i'm like that's almost I, as a kid, I definitely appreciated that more than I appreciated, like, Jerry Rice being superhumanly good at catching a football. Right. Like, it was, like, someone fumbling and, like, them playing, like, yakety sacks while the rest of the team tried to, like, pick up the ball. Like, that would make me laugh for days. Boyce said he conceived 17776 to give the reader a good time that it was, quote, literally the whole point. Yeah, great. I, but I think he's doing, I, I think he's, like, underserving himself because it's not just a good time right it's also like uh you know and a very a very emotionally profound time and in, in in different spots and he's saying different things about human nature that are really um that he's approaching from a unique angle that you don't get outside of the point of access that he's provided which is science fiction and sports which is like not the most traditional intersection right although not really science fiction, but there is a reference in here in the themes section that Ian Crouch of The New Yorker felt that the work had a, quote, tonal echo of Don DeLillo's end zone, which we talked about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Due to the thematic similarities, quote, with the way that the order and logic of football might act as a counterbalance to the chaos of the real world. I think that's absolutely true. Yeah, that's a great point. And it's it's a way that, like, sports is used as a metaphor rightly and wrongly for a lot of things like sports is war we're going we're going to battle men gear up whatever it's just like well it's not really war it's just a game but when you're using sports as a metaphor for like life or finding meaning or finding joy or whatever or just like as an escape from the hell of the real world either the hell of like what we're going through today or just like the monotony of not being able to die it's beautiful yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of beauty and and poetry inside. There are games. 
there's at least one, if not two, sequels. In September of 2020, there was 2000 or 20,020. Yeah, I don't think the third one's out yet. Which is going to be 20,021, which was originally supposed to come out last year in 2021, but it was delayed. So I don't know if that's out yet or not. But there is a second one of these um, based on college football, I think. Yeah. And Juice is back. I'll read it. I'm sure I'll read it. I think that there's there's value to not binging this. I think there's like time worth sitting up. I think you could probably do the whole thing in like 90 minutes maybe. It's not super long. Yeah, I, I tried to I, – I looked that up because I wanted to – you know, I try to budget time for the podcast so that I can – you know, if it's something that's going to take me 30 hours to read, I need to know that. Right. So I, I tried to look it up and it was like some guy on Reddit said – I didn't go to Reddit because I don't ever go to Reddit, but it was in the Google thing – he was like, uh, it took me three hours to read, but I was distracted. I was like playing with my cat and stuff while reading. <laughs> and if you've listened to this podcast, you know how fucking hard it is to do anything while cats are going crazy around you. Well, look how sweet she's being now. Yeah, now. Chaos though in here, man. Yeah. There's probably like 20 or 30 minutes of video. I have no, I mean, I have no idea how many words, but like it's not long. And even the video, it's like, it's still dialogue. You're still yeah. reading. It's mm-hmm. just doing the typing for you and you're not scrolling yeah which is also like cool <laughs> yeah you're like i don't have to move my eyes yeah is there anything else to say about 17776 well why don't you read um some emails we have an email from egg if you want to email in lottery at cageclub.me we'll read it on the next episode it doesn't have to be about this it could be about any book that we've covered or not we'll just read it on the next episode but meg's reaction to 17 776 and we will say that meg is not a sports guy meg has outwardly said before not interested in sports not interested in sports although every time we've done sports on the on the show she's wound up liking that like end zone and then she liked the art of fielding too more yeah, than she thought so. she was going to she's a sports guy yeah wow she says wow she doesn't even end it with all in all this is she's way out of her element here don't read ahead Sorry, I, was just, I, I look for that. I want to see if it ends in an all in all. Wow, this is such a fun experience. It was a little more than reading. The TV show aspects worked so well. I got goosebumps during the theme song. As I said to Bobby, and maybe he mentioned already in the show, I feel as though Juice and Shreds are of the same soul. I, I forgot about that, yeah. The asshole soul? Sure. Trolling? The yeah. troll soul? Yeah, I guess. Shred, uh, Ju- Juice is actually ends up being really nice, though. Yeah. And he, he stands up for nine in a couple different instances there is a weird kind of stands up for god which i'm always doing there's a weird in a in a sort of a philosophical sense moment where nine or ten's like i'm your younger sister because i was launched after you and then later she's like i'm your older sister and nine's like is that i don't understand i guess she's seen more than me but it's like this weird like when time has no meaning yeah like, yeah, he's my older brother, but, like... Doesn't matter. The longer you go on, it's like, oh, yeah, he's, like, 15,040 years old, and I'm 15,038. It's just like, you guys both been around the yeah. same amount of time. Mm-hmm. Who gives a shit? My favorite part, says Egg, was with Eddie, the guy sitting in the cave for almost 10,000 years. Through him, I felt like Boyce really captured the philosophical issues of living forever. And the funniest part was when Juice found out the 10 misspoke and said millions instead of billions, <laughs> and we got the super blurry picture of the previous conversation. Yeah, millions with a B. Yeah, that was funny. I really love this, says Egg. I hope that many, many more people read this wonderful article about the future of football. Oh, she calls it an article. She calls it an article. Yeah, so it's uh, not a book, according to her. It is on Goodreads, though, which is cool. Yeah, Goodreads puts everything on there, though. 
Well, is that true? I don't know. I don't know what Goodreads. So like Letterbox is based on. I thought you had to have an ISBN number to be on Goodreads. I don't know. I think you can just add anything because like Letterbox is based on the movie database, not internet movie database, but the movie database. But like, so any you can go on there and be like, Bobby's first birth, Shreds' first birthday party, and it's just like a home video or whatever. But like, if somebody deletes and like that'll mean it'll go to Letterboxd. But if someone deletes that, it goes away. So like, there's a whole like it's kind of like a wiki. The only reason I know this is because the Razor Trash things people have been trying to add those to the movie database as like because they are to a certain extent films and they keep getting deleted. So it's just like whatever, who gives a shit? But it's cool. I think it's cool that seventeen seven seventy six is on there. Yeah, doesn't have a page count though because it'd be like yeah, who who knows what the page count right. is? So later this season we're doing live blog, right? Which was originally as a blog that got transposed to a novel or at least printed physical media, whether you call it a novel or what, who knows. But this can only ever exist in the format it is. Yeah, I guess that's true. I don't know. The, yeah, because of the, the, yeah, because of the way that the video interacts. I mean, it could, it could be like a, like a Kindle ebook or something where like right. you watch it on an iPad or yeah. whatever, but like it can't be a physical, like it, it, there's something special about that, I think about the uniqueness. Right. There can't be, you're not going to get a paper back yeah. version of it. I like that they, at one point, Broncos fans are crazy. They kind of shit on the Browns. Like, there's just funny things that, like, it's just, you know. Yeah. Don't talk shit about the lottery. The lottery rules. <laughs> there's just a lot of funny so in lot, this. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So, check it out. It's maybe, like, I think, e- even though it feels like it might be inaccessible, I think it might be the most accessible book that we've covered over all of these things. I think so. I think that's fair. Yeah. Because it's, it's the shortest. It's the it's free. Just Google 17776. Yeah. It's on SBNation.com. Read it. Experience yeah. it. And I think I think it, it it is something that can be enjoyed by all different kinds of people. Yeah. Okay, well, um, today's crime Wait, who'd you cast as 9 and 10 is... and choose? Keep reading. <sighs> you bastard. You said you wouldn't do it. I never said I wouldn't do it. What's today's crime, though? You said that if I started doing it before you... I you, did you, see you that. You wouldn't jump in. Email us, lottery at cageclub.me, patreon.com slash lotterypod. Keep reading. Crime? No, we, we need a crime. I'm not going to hit stop no, until you, we hit so a crime. You, so you name it, then. Today's crime is being a pouty co-host of a podcast. Fine. <laughs> Once in your life, you find her. Someone who turns your heart around.